0: Welcome to Insert Name Here. Yes, that's correct. We still don't have a name for this this podcast. Uh, We are your weekly rundown of what in the hell just went down here in the District of Columbia and why it matters to normal people. And not just an exhausted DJ dragging his ass to the One Love Massive HQ at noon on a Sunday to record a terrible and poorly listened to podcast. I'm Ian Tarangi, uh, an immigration attorney with the firm of Rodriguez and Sanabria. And also a, uh, through the lucky so-and-sos, a member of the One Love Massive Artist Collective. And we have a special guest this week. Yes. One Mr. Marcus Dowling. Marcus, give us your, 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 your okay, eight-second elevator
1: pitch. Who the hell are you? Native Washingtonian writer. Work with One Love Massive. Work with uh, Decades Nightclub as well as the uh, creative director there. Um, as well, I've worked with Red Bull. I've worked with Fader. I've worked with uh, God, Pitchfork, Complex, Vice, all those places. All the wow. places you think that are cool places for people's <laughs> words to show up <laughs> in the last decade. I've been there. Anything that's cool, you're yeah, Also, you're a for, part the, of. for the purposes of this podcast, I am a uh, political science major and. Uh, Public and community service minor from Providence College in the year two thousand. There we go. I was a uh, surrogate for Michael Dukakis in the nineteen eighty eight. Uh, wow, that's presidential election on a ill <laughs> on a C span special, no less, with the D C <laughs> public school system, and as well, I was a uh, a, a member of my school's um, Russian team for the uh, Model UN in the eighth grade. Wow, at
0: Georgetown Day Middle School. These are these are. True bona fides.
1: <laughs> I, I figured I'd pull it all out because yeah, yeah you, yeah, you, you yeah. have to. Hey, as long
0: as we're throwing it on the table, so I'm a poli sci and U.S. history major, uh, University of Michigan, that and was. a uh, law school graduate from yeah. the uh, Wayne State University right. in Detroit, Michigan. Yeah, shout out to Providence College. Yes, sir. Yes, yes. sir. Yes, sir. Well, Marcus, I'm, I, I, I'm, I'm. First of all, I'm thrilled to have you. I'm uh, glad to I be think, here. I think, I think you are uh, you know, one of the smartest and most thoughtful people that I know. And Thank you.
1: Same here. Same so here. I'm, I'm,
0: I'm, I'm really looking forward to this. So yeah. I guess we should address the elephant in the room, which is this is the second consecutive week in which Scott and I have not been here in the same room doing the podcast. Last week, of course, um, uh, Scott had uh, Josh. Uh, I can't remember his last name. But Josh was great. I actually really, really enjoyed that show. Um, you know, but I just want people to know that this is not some kind of like mommy and daddy are getting divorced kind of thing. Uh, you know, where we're trying out, you know, new hosts. I mean, look, I'll be honest. I mean, I, I if I can upgrade from Scott, I, I, I absolutely will. Like I think Josh was great last week. I think a, a a podcast with me and Josh would sound fantastic. And I know that our podcast oh, today is gonna sound great. Times. So times. um you know, we'll 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 we'll, we'll like, probably we'll probably I live keep like Scott two around. Two
1: blocks away from the the, we'll, one of the massive headquarters. We'll though.
0: probably keep Scott around,
1: Yeah, but, definitely. Let me know if you need. But me. if
0: but you know, but it's good to know that there's options. Yeah, there, I'm, I'm
1: down for whatever.
0: So. so, um, it's time to talk about what in the fuck just happened this week. Oh man, this I'm is... doing like my news thing where I'm taking papers and doing uh, and shuffling them right got now. Like,
1: you've got like eight good years of this podcast. You realize that, right? <laughs> yeah. Exactly maybe right more maybe
0: um, we typically start with uh what's going on in healthcare as opposed to what's going on with Russia because I think healthcare honestly has a lot more importance to our listeners, both of them
1: yeah i'm i'm an, I'm an Obamacare person, so every day I wake up and i'm like do i do I need to you know maybe look for some kind of alternative employment so that I can get health care?" Yeah, and that's you know, and do, it's, I, do I consider marrying my girlfriend so that we can make this happen? <laughs> like, and I'm i taken care of. Like, these are things to think about, you know.
0: It 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 absolutely is, and you know what? Let's I mean, let's just let's just get into that because I actually think that um you know that these healthcare debates are so critical to like our, the DC creative community because to be sure, most Americans still are getting insurance coverage through an employer. Right. But I I feel like in this generation coming up and even, you know, people of, you know, who are who are our uh, contemporaries, the notion of just being having that one 40 hour a week job where you get your benefits and your 401k just seems like that is less and less of a reality to uh, people in our sort of demographics. And, and, And so you know um you and i discussed this before yeah, you know yeah, before yeah. the show right uh you know i feel like if you're a, a bartender if you're uh, a waiter if you're a dj if you're a musician um you know these healthcare th- these are not abstractions this is how you are able to afford healthcare you know i worked as a contract attorney for a long time and it was you know you you work on a project basis so you don't have that one uh, employer that you just stay with, you know, time and time again. And, 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 um, you know, a lot of the attorneys that I worked with were on Obamacare because, you know, you actually can in DC anyway, you can sort of make a living doing these, you know, project, project project-based, um, uh, practice of law. And, and so the Obamacare exchanges and the tax credits and the Medicaid expansions and just the opportunities for people who don't get insurance through their employer to have, health insurance and coverage, um, is a really, really critical issue.
1: Absolutely. Um, and so, like, where we're at right now, if we want to get into that. like, yeah. Yeah, yeah definitely. If you can give people a rundown, because this is, like, this past week has just been, I mean, I, I guess since the since the election, has just been kind of like a... A whirlwind. <laughs> a, 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 a farce. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, a
0: farce, yeah. Right. I mean, we, we always kind of joke around at the beginning of our show. like, oh, you know, not much happened this week. Pretty languid, you know, nothing, nothing much going on. Yeah. Um, so it looks like we are expecting a vote in the United States Senate this week on the Senate's version of the healthcare bill. Um, this is a bill I just checked this morning that is polling at 13% support. Hey, it's, not, it's not polling at zero. In the in the Associated Press. Um there are a lot of really interesting findings in this Associated Press poll that are that are healthcare related. Um, not the least of which is that it is polling at twelve percent. In counties that Trump won. Um, that to me is 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 I mean, it, it it shouldn't be remarkable because it seems to me like so much of Trump's pitch to these people was we're not gonna take it away, we're gonna make sure everybody has it, but you know, but we're definitely gonna get rid of that thing that Obama did.
1: Okay. So here here's the thing. It's like, um, Trump was elected on a faulty mandate. A number a number of faulty mandates. A number like, of faulty you, mandates. Right. Yes. I'm going to build a wall. Right. It's not a physical wall now. Now it's a uh, you know some kind of like LED like <laughs> like you know like like sci-fi wall that you, you that's gonna be like. It's know, like electrical like, fence. It's gonna be keeps... like a shock fence, right, yeah. for dogs. right? <laughs> Basically, that's what we're doing, and, yes. and and that's insane. And then you get to healthcare, which is even more fascinating in a sense that it's like. All right, so we're we're not going to repeal Obamacare necessarily. Yeah. we're just going to get rid of parts that you don't like.
0: Right, right, right. And I
1: was telling you this earlier when we were sitting there, and, and I guess for the, the the general population listening to this podcast, they'll find it funny as well. It's like when you're you learn CPR <laughs> and you're trying to find the xiphoid process, and you just start pushing around for like the 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 softest, like the spot that you know, like will have the least resistance. And that's what they're trying to do right now. Like they're going to like, okay, well. Let's get rid of, you know, maybe, like, rights for new parents. No, we can't do that. No, let's get rid of rights for fresh out of college graduates who are, no, we can't do that. And then you're like, okay, like, you go through all of these, like, layers of, like, people that you could potentially screw because you're screwing somebody. Right. Somebody's, Somebody's got to lose. Them. Somebody's, Somebody's got to lose. lose. Right. So they're trying to figure, well, who's the who's the best person to have lose? So that the right. conservative like, you know so that 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 the that, illegals
0: already don't get it, so you can't screw them over. Right, right, right. <laughs> so I mean
1: they're they're just trying to find like like the proper like group of people to screw right. over in this situation and they have yet to find that. And I think that's the funny thing. It's like you go from like this mandate to kind of like a part to whole relationship to the mandate. Like, we got one of these things right. And that's yeah, and that's And, to and, me, and that's a victory though. Right. That's all, that's a that that's touted by uh, the 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 Trump uh, campaign as being a total victory.
0: Yeah, yeah, and I think
1: that's where we are right now, and it's, and it's unfortunate.
0: And I think it's emblematic too of kind of the GOP's whole mindset when it comes to healthcare. care. You know, I mean, they have this opportunity, and it is an opportunity for them to sort of remake the U.S. healthcare system in the way that they, you know, envision. They've had seven years where they've been complaining about Obamacare. We need to repeal and replace it. It's a job killer. It's terrible. It's the reason why your puppy died. It's the reason why your grandmother died. Right. And now that they've got it, you know they, they, what which, which you realize is that there is no cohesive vision. And perhaps it's because in the conservative mindset, there is no real role for government in, in providing health care. But this is where rubber meets the road. And now that people are getting it through the government... Taking it away, they're finding so, is virtually impossible.
1: I look at this like like Trump looked at this like his his election as being as simple as like you know the New Deal, and and like you know Tennessee Valley Authority, all that kind of stuff. Like that yeah. era of American politics where it's like, okay, I'm a gonna progressive have progressive era, right? Well, well, progressive in a sense that it's you know for conser- conservatives this is a progressive notion. Like we're gonna like completely like you know like repeal one style of health care and we're gonna replace it with another style of health care. That's right. That's, Radical for our own purposes. But the problem is that the way that, like, it worked for 100 years in American politics is that if you had control of Congress, you had control in this, like, way that was very unified and non-fractured, and you could rubber stamp everything. Right. And, you know, that's how how the New Deal happened. It was like a rubber stamp. It was like a rolling rubber stamp for four years. Like, boom, okay, boom, everything. Yeah. Here you go. The problems that it you, was
0: the courts that tried to stop Roosevelt.
1: Right, exactly. But you, you couldn't because right. yeah, they had a rolling rubber stamp through Congress. So it's like whatever you want to do, if you want to send it back to us, like we're just gonna rubber stamp it again and you know we're gonna do this, we can do this back and forth. Right. It's like you could do this the easy way or the hard way. <laughs> and 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 this current political climate, there that that rubber stamp does not exist because you have compassionate conservatives that are stopping and going. Hold on right if I support this when it's time for the midterm elections or it's time for you know any any time I have to refer, return back to my constituency, they're going to look at me askew. yeah, because I supported this this maniac who's the president, and <laughs> they my, my people just don't really yeah. get down like that so
0: well i mean look and if you and if you if you see sort of the evolution of the CBO scores of the various bills. Starting in the House, you had two CBO-scored bills. To the Senate, now we've had two. Like, we've gone from 24 million people losing health insurance to 21 or 22 million people losing. Right. So the bottom line is, in under any theory of Republican, um, any Republican sort of coherent governing theory on health care, is going to require a, a massive retrenchment and contraction of... Uh, the government's role in providing health care. And that is basically at odds with many of the findings. You know, I mentioned that we had some, some, some other interesting and remarkable findings in this AP poll that just came out this morning. So 59% of people polled prefer Obamacare to out and out repeal sort of the pre Obamacare status quo. Um, Another remarkable finding, one that I think is very remarkable, 62% of respondents believe that the federal government has a responsibility to make sure that all Americans have health care coverage. I mean, that is universal, that is 60 60 plus percent in favor of universal health care.
1: It's funny, because we were talking about that earlier, and I said, okay, so it's like this, like, we teach the American public how the government works. Well, and barely. we tell right, and we tell, but no, when we're we are children, there's a, I mean, kids of this generation aren't being taught that, but right. you know, we, of, we were. of our generation, <laughs> like the baby boomer generation and before, we're taught, the government takes care of you, a a simple blanket statement of of a fact. That was
0: Roosevelt. That was right. Roosevelt. Uh, I mean, he that uh, was his. That was FDR's. There will right. Uh, uh, that was the yeah, Roosevelt god, revolution yeah. yeah
1: god makes no mistakes the government will provide like that that's those are two you know like laws of american politics right in american society and when you tell people hey like maybe you know like maybe we should get rid of this like you know governmental control thing and people are like wait how do we do this how does this work if, if the government doesn't provide then how are we going to be able to take care of ourselves? Right. And, and that's the thing. And this is the problem even with like a number of parts of politics we'll get to during this podcast is that we have superseded the perception of what the government can and cannot do. And we're going to be doing this for the next four to eight years. Yeah. Of superseding the notion, the governing notion of what the government is supposed to do in American society. So when Donald Trump was like, okay, we're going to repeal Obamacare, and we're going to come up with this new thing. It's going to be terrific. Right. It's going to be, you know, bigly, all that, whatever. So you're like, okay, but there's a period of time in between the Obamacare and what, 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 what needs to replace it that the American public is afraid of. Mm-hmm. And these numbers prove that. Like they're like afraid of the idea that, okay, so for a year we're just going to be kind of floating around. And, and that notion is bizarre because it's like, well,
0: that's not America. Plus, it's just not workable from a pragmatic standpoint because uh, the insurance companies who are who are going to be providing coverage in the individual market, which is the market that's most affected right. by all this legislation, um, you know, they, they, they do their planning years out in advance and they have no certainty on what government policy is going to be. And unlike um, many industries, I mean, obviously, government policy and regulation can have an impact on any industry, but this is a a particularly acute uh, uh, instance of government policy really dictating how um, an industry runs.
2: This is a draft.
0: Here at Insert Name here, we like to think of ourselves as a real podcast. Uh, but we're very clearly not, not a real podcast. If we were a real podcast, for example, this space would be occupied by an advertisement, by an actual commercial venture that enjoyed our programming and felt that we reached a sufficiently large enough audience that they would pay
2: to advertise in this space, so like like the Defense Department piping us in, in Guantanamo because we're the one thing that can make people crack. <laughs> there it is. So you know, let's 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 talk a little bit
0: um, about what we expect to happen this week, and also my crazy theory about Mitch McConnell, uh, my crazy po- possibly I, teetering on conspiracy theory. I
1: mean, I'm expecting the the, the vote to to repeal. Okay. That's that's so, where we are right now. Like that's that's the thing. It's like there's no there's 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 less of a desire or need to actively consider the idea that maybe this isn't a good idea. Because you have to pre- at least present the conservative front mm. to the nation because again, we're still looking at this we're we're all driven by this. I think that the Republican Party especially is driven by the notion of this midterm election being this, the spot where the Republican Party can coalesce and create itself as like, you know, a, a reformed whole. Yeah. So it's that's tied to Obamacare. That's tied to the fact that if you can successfully repeal health care and then put together a a package that saves health care for people, then whatever the Republican Party is going to be can at least begin to be formulated from within that notion initially.
0: Okay. So I'm going to disagree. Uh I think that it is not going to pass. And I actually think that that is Mitch McConnell's preferred outcome so here's 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 my argument right, here's my right. argument yeah, because right. i've had i've had a lot of people have that that same reaction that <sighs> <My response. laughs> so um mitch mcconnell is in a tough spot because right. taking health care away from 22 million people look there's 435 congressional districts if you take health care away from 22 million people you can be in the rubiest reddest district and you are going to have a significant population of your constituents are going to be losing health care. Right. Period. End of story. That's just that's just reality. All right, but what do you do so, about the party, man? So I think that the party is the party is tribal. And, um, you know, I think we saw that in the 2016 election that it doesn't matter. They can literally throw up a monkey and put Republican after, and and they'll vote for it over 90% of Democrats. Right. So I don't think that they are too concerned about uh, uh, about losing the base over not repealing Obamacare, because I think Mitch McConnell is going to say this. He's going to say, look, we tried. We fought for it. We had a vote on the Senate floor. The House voted it out. We had members in our caucus who just couldn't get on board for whatever reason, be they it's you know, to the, to the left uh, of the caucus, where they felt that it was stripping health care away from too many of their constituents, all the way to the right of the caucus, where they felt that it still retained too much Obamacare. Um, we tried, and, and it just it just didn't happen. But I think that the consequences of actually passing this legislation, Right. Um, you know, because when we when when the CBO scores this, they, they always say stuff like, OK, it's going to be 22 million people who lose health care, um, you know, over a 10 year period. But it's like 14 million right up front in that first year. And, you know, I mean, that's the makings of Great, a definitely. political revolution. Okay, that's okay. the makings of a wave so that, election so against the Republicans. Something so,
1: to consider. And well, I guess we'll move on. Um, Donald Trump sold the infrastructure repair of America to Elon Musk. Just sold it like, that, like that's the thing about the, the hyperloop or whatever that yeah. people didn't stop and realize. Elon Musk literally sat in a room with Donald Trump and was like, "I'm willing to sit in a room with this guy." And what he got back in return was a a, a verbal okay. Which is not even legal, by the way. Right, right. He got a verbal okay to...
0: It was probably Trump just saying, wow, that sounds like a great idea. That's a great idea. You want to do it, man? That's a great idea, because he always always agrees with the last person who spoke with
1: him. Right. And and he sold the repair of America's infrastructure to Elon Musk, because Elon Musk had an idea. There's somebody out there that's fool enough to say, I have an idea for health care.
0: We haven't seen it we haven't seen it for seven
1: years but I'm almost positive that there the, isn't one with the uh, there way isn't. That, with the way that this this, this 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 goofy man works he will pull this man out like a magic trick this woman whatever this this company this corporation like a magic trick and go it will be etna that know. will but, do this
0: I don't know i don't i I think that there are circles that the that the conservative movement cannot square um look let's 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 let but, but, but
1: if you vote for repeal, you have to know that there is a cost so, uh, that there's a co- no, not even a cost but that there's a solution there, even if it's not even a solution even if it's not a solution that's going to work you need a solution there just to get you through 2018
0: well, they certainly have that we'll see what happens um I'm on record I think that this is not going to pass, but then again, I also thought Donald Trump wasn't going to get elected president. <laughs> And look how that turned out. You know, it <laughs> happens, man. So um, let's get back to talking about the thing that, you know, people can't stop talking about. Again, I actually think that the healthcare s- debate has more an impact on both of our listeners' right. uh, actual lives than, than Russia does. My position on Russia uh, has been—it it is salacious, and it's interesting, and I definitely think that there's shady it's shit that's gone on. It's the people talking but it is not the silver bullet that is going to end this nightmare it, it, that that a lot of liberals think he is going to be president i think through 2020 he's not going to get impeached he's not going to be removed he's not going to quit he's i think he's more likely i think he's more likely to win re-election I'll, than he is to be like than he is to end his to end his presidency before the end of his first term
1: the the, the the beautiful thing about russia is that it's russia yeah so we have all of these years of cold war pent up in, inside <laughs> of us, and say the Russians are 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 bad. Yeah, the Russians are. Ter- I'm I'm a socialist. Okay, so like I get all of this stuff where people will look at me and they're, they're like, "Well, what do you think about this Russians? You're a socialist, <laughs> so you must be sympathetic then to the Russian cause." And I'm like, "Well, I'm not really sympathetic because these aren't like socialists in the way that I'm a socialist." Like. Yeah, you there's know, nothing like a, nothing
0: socialist about the Russian government. Right. right now. I'm like a it's a kleptocracy, man. Uh, authoritarian kleptocracy.
1: Yeah, exactly. And has and, and it's it's socialist in, in name and in governing theory only. Yeah. But um but I think that, you know, like you wanna go into the news on it? We can jump out because I was gonna say the news, the Russia stuff.
0: News. So I think that the big Russian news this week, um, one of my one of my very favorite people in the Trump administration. And when I say that, um, I mean absolutely not <laughs> my favorite person in the Trump administration. One, uh, Jefferson Beauregard, Sessions third, colloquially known to you and me as Jeff Sessions, um, apparently discussed campaign and policy issues with Russian Ambassador Sergei Kislyak um, at a meeting that Jeff Sessions first asserted did not happen. And then, faced with proof that the meeting did in fact happen, <laughs> asserted that in no way did they discuss anything campaign-related. Oops, <laughs> oh, <thank laughs> uh, God. senior moment, I guess. Um, so ridiculous. Right? So. so okay,
1: so so my my belief on this whole Russian scenario is that, uh, and there's a Vanity Fair piece that uh, you go to Facebook.com/slash Mark K Dowling, follow me, I post these things every day. <laughs> um, Cheat plug, but um, but yeah, so there's this thing where.
0: Very the cheap, Russians, plug, by the way, like the cheapest. Both of our I love listeners, it. beautiful. Both both uh, of our listeners, I, I, I encourage you to follow Marcus yes. Dowling on. on
1: so Twitter. so there's this thing where the Russians have had impact on American politics for like forever, and basically, I mean, at least at least 40 years. And this article in Vanity Fair talks about this, and the idea that is that the the Russians who decide that they want to in, impact American politics find Americans unique in the sense that they are, is that we are so naive to the, the actual, like, terrible inter, you know, like, you know, like, interconnected, you know, web of intrigue that it takes to actually run the world. That of all of the, the world's people, all the world's leaders, American leaders are the easiest to manipulate because we are, manip- we are. Governed, bought, sold, bought and paid for. Bought and paid for solely by the idea that we, we just want the best for the common good and ultimately for the russians the common good is is at the end of the the list yeah. of things that they're most concerned about you know after commerce and you know staving off world war and you know building up nuclear aggression and all these things that you know, the russians have been for for you know various points throughout history but um but it's it's just intriguing in the sense that like i get the sense that donald trump didn't think that he would be impeachable for anything that happened until he was actually the president. <laughs> so it's like, it's like, cause I mean the first, if you're going to break the law, not that I've ever broken a law in life. Cause I'm Never. doing this podcast with a lawyer. Never. But you always think that the first thing, if you're going to try to break the laws, you want to find a loophole so that when the cops say, say the cops pull up on you, say you're, say you're trying to sneak a girl into your dorm in summer. camp. Not that I ever did. But like you always want to find the loophole. Right. So you're like, hey, maybe she's in here using the bathroom.
0: She's helping me with my whittling.
1: Right, exactly. So you have that there first. So that everything else that happens, you can point at the red herring and go, but she was helping me with my whittling. <laughs> it's like, no, but she's naked and you're naked. But hey, look at that! look at that piece of wood on the floor. Yeah, you see all this... You see all the sawdust? Yeah, you see that? That's what that's from. <laughs> and, and this is the thing with Trump, is that Trump's like, okay, so as long as I'm not physically the president of the United States, as long as my hand is not on the Bible and I'm accepting the oath of office, <laughs> all of this stuff is perfectly okay. And was actually my attempt at using some kind of unique theory to become the president. Like, I wanted to engage with these people because nobody else had done this ever before.
0: I mean, look, if you're Trump, if you're Trump, why don't you think that you're impervious? Why don't you think that you're Teflon, Don? Because, uh, you know, you basically admitted to sexual assault in the campaign and you won the fucking presidency. Right. So, But but,
1: But I think when it comes to the Russians, that the unique thing about the Russians is that, you know, in Don's head, he's going, but everybody else has worked with them. And they somehow have never been caught. Yeah. So if everybody else, if it stands to reason, and again, read this article in Vanity Fair. It's fascinating. Yeah. Like, if it stands to reason that nobody else in American political history has ever been caught working and colluding with these people, how are they going to catch me? There's a million other things they could catch about me. And they did. He's like, they're not, they're going to overlook this Russian. And they
0: will. And they will.
1: Right. And, but it's the fact that it's the Russians and it's Donald Trump and it's the most like, it's the most obvious. Yeah, red yeah. herring like salacious story. There is. So let's talk about
0: let's talk about Jeff Sessions. Let's talk about Jeff oh, Sessions because uh, the, Jeff Sessions. I have to
1: love to hate him. He's amazing.
0: Yeah. Um. So the Washington Post reports, um, uh, that U.S. intelligence has intercepted communiques between, uh, again, Russian ambassador Sergei Kislyak and his superiors in Moscow. And and you know Scott and I discussed this before. Sergei Kislyak. Is the or was I believe the uh Russian ambassador to the United States? Um, which you know sounds like a very ceremonial uh, type of position. He is the head spy for uh, whatever has replaced the KGB here in the United States. Yeah, that
1: guy's the plug. Watch, watch, watch
0: watch the show, The Americans. You can see how things work in those embassies because the embassy is actually sovereign Russian soil. A lot of people don't understand this, right? Like, you know, U.S. You know, we have no rights to enter the Russian embassy. Like, even if we suspect a crime is going on, like local right. police cannot. Right, like, okay, cannot. so if
1: you go to, like, the Ann Pizza in Georgetown now, I forget where, it used to be Opied de Cochon as a bar. And Opie was the place where American and Russian spies yeah. would trade secrets in the 60s, the 70s, yeah. the 80s, and the 90s. And there's even, like, a chair in the space that was, like, sat in by, I guess it was a spire ambassador. And they have, like, mm-hmm. a little placard there. <laughs> it's the most, like, surreal part of, like, low-key, D. C. underground yeah. American D.C. history where you're just, like, we 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 we, we honor this, yeah. this. This bizarre tradition. Very bizarre. Very
0: bizarre. Yeah. So Kislyak tells his superiors in Moscow that he discussed campaign-related matters including policy issues important to Moscow with Mr. Sessions during the campaign. And again, this is Jeff Sessions, who said, uh, I didn't talk to him. Oh, wait, I did talk to him, but we didn't talk about anything campaign related. We didn't talk about anything policy related. I mean, when they say including policy issues, what they're basically saying is they discussed U.S. sanctions against Russia and whether Trump was, uh, you know, could be trusted to lift those sanctions if and when he's elected With our help,
1: yeah. I mean, this is that moment. If DJ Khaled were in the room, he'd say, "Secure the bag." (laughs) Like that's what we—that's what you're doing at that point. You are—you are literally just playing secure, secure the bag, bag, secure the bag at all costs.
0: Yeah, yeah. And we should also mention too, um, uh, Russia-related, that uh, the House just passed a Russia sanctions bill, which makes it more difficult for the president unilaterally to lift sanctions. This is. I think an interesting move in a Republican, obviously Republican held uh, House and Senate to pass out of out of both chambers a bill that restricts Donald Trump's ability to but, to 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 lift sanctions unilaterally. And that's obviously because there's a level of mistrust even within his own party but, that he would act in U.S. Okay. interests. I mean, that is that is a
1: remarkable, remarkable turn of events no, in, in, it, in it, my estimation, It is, but it isn't. Because the toothpaste is out of the tube, and the genie is out of the bottle. And you can't put the toothpaste back in the tube or the genie back in the bottle. Yeah. So this is, to me, like a retroactive, like, hands up show of, <laughs> you know, like, oh my God to the American people so that we're not yeah. effectively well, too freaked out we'll see. by where we're going with this. Because it's like, we're going in a very frightening direction with this. No doubt. We're literally the Russians like walked up and we're like, here's a stack. We got this.
0: Yeah. Yeah. All right. So when we come back, we are going to ask the burning question every week, moron
2: or asshole. Ready for this one. Do you have a commercial venture you'd like to associate with a terrible and poorly listened to political podcast? You, too, can come in as a sponsor of the One Love Massive Collective and this podcast by contacting us at wokesince eighty four, or at the at One Love Massive Twitter account. Ian's supposed to be trying to make me crack up during this, but as we can see, he was born with that sense of humor. No sense th- of humor whatsoever. No sense of humor whatsoever. It's it's really tragic. I would like to point out, you can yeah. also reach Scott at uh, at Puke on myself eighty seven. Okay, again, that's that's reaching Ian. That's his. That's I don't check that Twitter. Uh, I don't know when you can check that. It. I check it for him. I always complete. <laughs> I, I make sure to retweet. <laughs> God damn it, you made me break! God
0: damn it. And we are back. Welcome back to Insert Name Here. Yes. Uh This is Ian Taranji and I'm here with my good friend Marcus Dowling. Marcus well, again, thank you for uh for joining us this week. You are welcome. S- wow, I'm having a blast. Scott is Scott is away. I imagine that he is like sitting on a beach. You have to understand, Scott, and, and you know, we, we always concede the limits of uh, the visuals that we can add on a non-visual media, right? But uh, Scott is a very how do I describe this? He's a very uh, white man, right? And so I picture him at the beach, like lathered up in like three hundred <laughs> SPF, with <laughs> sitting mm-hmm. under sitting under the umbrella and it. probably falling asleep, half drunk from like uh, his third pina colada, as the sun slowly starts to creep on his foot. And then, like later tonight, there's just going to be like a tiny sliver of his foot that's going to be bright pink.
1: Oh, I love it! I love it. (laughs) So I
0: hope he's having a good time, Scott. I know he's 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 not listening anyway, so we we can we'll make fun of him. Um, And I also haven't started my clock anyway. um, This is really my favorite segment of every week. Uh, We call this segment "Moron" or "Asshole." Right. Um, I'm also kind of toying with the idea of making. Retitling this segment, uh, this fucking guy. This. Because it seems like every time I have a moron or asshole when I'm reading whatever it is that I'm reading that prompts me to think this is, should be a candidate for moron or asshole, the first thing that comes to my mind is usually this fucking guy.
1: <laughs> and this is this is maybe this the week, most fucking guy of all the. Fucking and this guys. this
0: this week is no exception. In fact, I I, I I'm 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 positively titillated. Uh, 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 thinking about this because Especially. this is literally my favorite, favorite Congressperson, um, and this is Representative Steve King, Republican of Iowa. Yes. Um, before we get into what he said, and 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 then we'll make the determination whether moron or right. asshole, uh, because I think that there's there's ample evidence for both. Um, let's 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 kind of like let's let's reset Steve King. Steve King right. is. What's what's the polite term that we would use for Steve King, Marcus? It's um,
1: I, I just call him a, a staunch conservative and one of those guys that is, you know, one of those people that is a is an ardent Trump supporter. Mm-hmm. Let me let me answer for you. He's a racist. Well, that too. Uh, uh, you know, I, I I you know you don't want to jump straight into racism because. <laughs> No, we 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 have to call everybody you have to call so many people. I said,
0: thing. I said, I said, Steve King is my favorite Congressperson, and this is the reason why he's my favorite he, Congressperson. He's incredible. He is the most. He is the most outwardly racist uh, public official that I know. Let me just let's just reset some classic uh, 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 Steve King material here. Right, um, Representative Steve right King in July 2013, he makes the now notorious claim that for every child of illegal immigrants, quote, who's a valedictorian. This is a quote, by the way. There are another hundred out there who weigh 130 pounds, and they've got calves the size of cantaloupes because they're hauling 75 pounds of marijuana across the desert.
1: Those bad hombres got to be. Bad, bad hombres. They got to be handled.
0: Steve King, at last year's Republican convention, he's giving an interview on MSNBC, and he states, and I quote, this old white people business does get a little tired. I'd ask you to go back through history and figure out what are these contributions that have been made by these other categories of people that you're talking about? Where did any other subgroup of people
1: contribute more to civilization? You know, I'm just going to exhume George Washington Carver and, and just <laughs> stand him up. You know, and just feel like, hey, brother, this guy, here's, you like peanut butter? Here's yeah. the ultimate
0: Oops. Steve Kingism, And this is why it's not a it's not a trope to jump straight into the racism. He is a representative from the state of Iowa who yeah. keeps a Confederate flag on his desk in Congress. That's all we need to know about Steve King. Um, so
1: what did he say His colors recently? don't run.
0: <laughs> what did he say recently that has made him a candidate for moron or asshole? So I'm going to read um, some quotes. Because, obviously, he, you mentioned he's a Trump supporter. Yes. He wants this wall built. Absolutely. He fully expects Mexico is going to pay for it eventually, but understands, I guess, that, hey, the United States will pay for it. Hey, hey, solar, in, it's a in, solar in, wall. In the, first, in the first instance. It's the solar wall. So, Steve King states, uh, you know, and he's, he's, being, he's being asked about, uh, you know, the, 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 the House budget that Paul Ryan put out. And he states that he supports the spending measure but would prefer an additional $5 billion for the wall. And suggests taking the extra funding from Planned Parenthood and federal welfare programs. He states, and I quote, "I would find half a billion of dollars, half a billion dollars of that right out of Planned Parenthood's budget, and the rest of it could come out of food stamps and the entitlements that are being spread out for people that haven't worked in three generations. Uh, we've got to put America back to work, of course. And this and this administration is going to do it. Okay, so Marcus, so
1: quick, quick aside, uh, my friend Felicia Gordon, her mother's Faye Waterton." Mm-hmm. Who for years was the head of guess what Planned Parenthood? So <laughs> I I have I have a very vested interest in this. one of my very good friends in the world, one of my right. great professional allies, is like directly affected by this.
0: Okay, um, so despite your bias, yeah, despite my despite obvious your bias, bias, yeah, I'll, where I'll, do you,
1: where do you come down on moron versus asshole? He's just he's just a he's, he's, a, he's a moron. Like you, you can't call this man an asshole because that's being far too kind. Like that assumes a, a level of understanding and self uh, yeah, self like, awareness like, okay. that you think he lacks. So yeah, yeah. Because here's the thing: is like with the Trump mandate, and it's a mandate until it's not a mandate. You have to have people that are willing to die for the cause. <laughs> like there, this is a war that he is fighting against 250 years of American history. Yeah, so there have to be people that are willing to die on the vine for this cause. And people like Steve King are there to be propped up, so that when when the bullets of of liberalism start to fly, they will only take them in the chest, so that Big Don <laughs> stays alive. Yes. Just saying, like literally or figuratively,
0: because right. Don's keeping his racism on the very down right, low. Right, right, right. It's not, uh, not yeah, it hasn't come out at all. You
1: need those guys to, and and there's a number of them, but he's just he's the best.
0: Yeah, yeah. As somebody of Hispanic origin and somebody who works as an immigration attorney, and I see all of these people, I want—I just want to state. Uh, uh, I just want to state. Yo, your are calves, the, man, they're they're mad small. The calves <laughs> <laughs> of my my clients who are primarily from El Salvador <laughs> and Honduras and Guatemala. Um, these are not cantaloupe-sized calves that these and people are coming in you with. You
1: like it's it's like I just want
0: I want to put that out on record.
1: Like like the saddest thing too. Really. And there's a sad part of all of this. Like <laughs> there was like an MS13 assault like last week, and MS13 is like like, yeah. like a a huge a huge uh,
0: Hispanic Hispanic Latin
1: gang. Latin gang. And every time something like that happens, Steve King like grows a set of wings because <laughs> it's like oh he 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 has a thing that he can say now. He can point and go. You see what happens. When we just let these people just run free, for every valedictorian, there's a hundred
0: MS13 <laughs> 15, people, with right, that calves
1: are, the size of cantaloupes that are that are kicking and assaulting white people with dogs, walking them in the neighborhood, yeah, just surrounding them and beating them into the ground, and that's the fr- and that's the frustrating part about Steve King, is that we're in such a place in America where like we let everything, we did this for eight years, we let everything thrive, we didn't really like. Have any like kind of control set up for liberalism in America? It was like <laughs> kind of like especially in the last four years of Obama. We were like, "Cool, gay people can get married," and because uh, on some level it's like this. This allows for freedom, and also like you know, if you live in Washington D.C. right now, there's an economic thing that's attached to that that's beautiful. Like you can support you can support an entire economy mm-hmm. on like allowing gay people to get married, and then allowing like you know for two two parent households with significant income. Right, these are things. So it's, yeah. And so, for as much as Steve King is, is an idiot, there's an argument that, like, he's able to stand up on with both feet, and you can't undercut him, which is ridiculous because you want to undercut this guy. You want to look at this guy and say, You are wrong. You are absurd. You're a terrible human being. But then at the same time, there's like things that happen on a routine basis now that you're just like,
0: But Trump. I mean it's that that I mean that's what it is look I mean we can yeah. give we can give him credit for at oh. least not at least not hiding his racism right. um but but you're right you're right the guardrails are off at this point because yeah. Trump is Trump is president I mean we you know uh, we were talking about this before I I was one of the people who totally uh totally missed uh that Trump was going to win I assumed in 2016 uh that a a a a, a you know out and out, flagrant, vocal racist could not be elected as president of the United States, and well, right, that didn't that didn't quite go the way yeah I it's, expected. I mean, so, so you're right. I mean, this is Steve King's moment. He's having his he's having his one shining moment here with right. with with Trump. He's like, wait a second, racists used to get fired
1: from TV shows. Now we're like, now we're like the shit. Yeah, and he's having. A blast, yeah, because he's just he gets to say whatever he wants. He is having
0: he is having a blast because he he realizes that doing stuff like proposing um, that 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 food stamps and Planned Parenthood budgeted money pay for a border wall would make liberals' heads explode, and which gets me to into like a whole other issue that we'll have to save for another podcast, which is sort of like the um, the conservative movement right now has sort of become like a giant troll.
1: Yeah, but it's a troll it's more so and, and the thing is with with a guy like Steve King, Steve King exists because you need a trigger point to trigger liberals to the point where they look foolish. Right, right. In the media. Right. And when Steve King says, We're going to get rid of Planned Parenthood and food stamps, liberals go 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 crazy. Yep. And there's not a and there's not a reason Which is the point. Right. And there's not a reason for liberals to have like, you know, well meaning, like well thought out, well conceived, like arguments against arguments against him. Yeah. him. There's no, literally, no purpose to do that because the things that he's suggesting are so wild. No doubt, no doubt. So, Steve King, moron or asshole?
0: I say the jury's the the, the, the jury's still out. There's ample evidence for both. Um, when we come back, we're gonna talk about uh, Donald Trump, who gives an interview to
2: an exclusive interview to a failing media outlet. You're listening to Insert Name Here because neither Ian nor I are smart enough to come up with a name. <clears throat> but well, <clears throat> do you just think in your throat? I do. Yeah. Well, in the meantime, literally. Okay, we already said no to that. But if I, you have an idea for what to call this, you can tweet Ian at woke since 84 on Twitter. Ian, we're not going with politically transmitted diseases. We're not.
0: As I mentioned, my friend Matt. Uh, Came up with Politico de Gallo, which is a take on, for those of you who don't know, Pico de Gallo.
2: Which is sort of like the...
1: Who hurt you? <laughs> yes! <laughs> all right, so this is Marcus Dowling giving me the, uh, the introduction to this segment of uh, Insert Name Here. Um, start any segment about the New York Times by saying that all of my really awesome friends that I had 10 years ago in DC all work in various sections of the New York Times now. <laughs> uh, so it's fascinating. Well, that's convenient. Right. So it's fascinating whenever there's a story about the Times, and especially the Times' relationship to
0: Donald Trump. Do they agree that the Times is a failing media organization? Oh, absolutely organization?
1: not. Absolutely not. I mean, they, they agree that, that some of them may be losing their jobs, but certainly the Times is not failing. The, the Times is a, no. a progressive bastion of modern journalism. Yeah, uh, quite the
0: opposite. The Times and The Post, I think, have done, since Trump's inauguration, um, some remarkable reporting.
1: Right, so uh, Donald Trump uh, referred to the Times as a failing organization, and yet and still, <laughs> continuing this, this notion of triggering America every <laughs> second of every day, gave this, this long, rambling uh, screed of an interview to uh, Maggie, Maggie Haberman Maggie Haberman, and, uh, and
0: a couple of other yeah. uh, Times reporters. So and, I apologize and, for not knowing that. And, the and how,
1: these things, how these things work, in the case that people don't know. I'm a journalist, and I don't do a million other things. And uh, just the fascinating nature of this. Donald Trump sits down and he has been the reporters. Yes. And this is meant in some ways to intimidate the reporter because you're having an audience with the president. Right. In the Oval Office. Right. In the Oval Office. And you have to ask him questions that are negative about him while you're in the middle of the Oval Office, which is a place you want to be. If you're a journalist. You want to sure. have that kind of one-to-one access. Yeah. And uh, one of the, like, the thing that got me the most about this, uh, this barreling <laughs> fuckery of an interview, for lack of a better term, is that he starts off and they ask him, like, "Where do you have for lunch? And within that answer, he mentioned Hillary Clinton. Yeah. And his thoughts <laughs> about Hillary Clinton, which gives you a sense of when you read this interview, kind of like the whole point of it is that.
0: I won and she didn't
1: right it's It's not even that as much as it is like I want to create as much of a dust storm around actual issues as humanly fucking possible because it's the New York Times, and he knows that like most people, most educated people in America read the New York Times, right, or you read The Washington Post, right. The Post and the Times have taken this lead of like we are the educated journalistic like, you know bastions of of America. Legacy media, right? Legacy media, certainly. And he's like, okay, so if you're gonna read this, and you're gonna you're gonna see my name, you're gonna see that it it's exclusive, you're gonna read it, and and he he does not care to give you an educated, well-meaning, well-thought-out, well-represented presidential interview.
0: Well, l- to be fair, it's because he hasn't thought about these issues. He doesn't know anything about these issues. Right, but and but he doesn't really care to learn anything about right, these issues. But, but, so that's why he gives such right. a, a so, incoherent so the,
1: Right. So the thing is uh, about, interview. and I feel like, and this is my one, and I'll and I'll be um, contradictory, I guess, to what people would perceive me as like a liberal thinking person, and saying that if you're the New York Times and you're offered an interview with Donald Trump, you take it for the clicks and not for the actual journalism that's involved. Right. And that's on the times, because that's the interview that you say no to. Mm. That's the time where you say because you're getting nothing. You're
0: getting nothing from this. But I still think. But I still think it's important to transcribe that nothing to the American people, because but, I th- you said you said you said a word earlier that was rambling, and I and I and I think this kind of gets to you know we discussed this a little bit. One of his personal ticks of conversation. He is one of those people who cannot abide. Silence, right? You know, he has to keep talking. He has to like you. If you actually read the transcript, it is Donald Trump paragraph, paragraph, Maggie Haberman saying that must be really interesting, and then he said, "Well, yeah, it is." And then paragraph, paragraph, paragraph. You know, I mean, that's she just, she just like
1: pricks him along a little bit and and just lets him, lets him give. It's this is the equivalent, like for me, and and I'll 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 dive into my my life as a, a rap journalist. This is the time when, like, I interview the, the newly woke, newly rich rapper about, like, rich people's lives and culture. And they're <laughs> like, I just bought my first Warhol. And you won't believe what he does as a painter and what he's inspired by. He's inspired by the streets. And I didn't know that. Who knew? Who knew? I had no clue. That's amazing. And, and are, are we talking about Lil Yachty? Well, that kind of thing, right? It's, uh, that, it's that that kind sense. of like nouveau riche access to culture, <laughs> and that's what you get when you get with the Donald Trump interview in two thousand and seventeen. He's been the president now for what seven six months. Six right? months. So he's six months into the president. Every day, Donald Trump gets to look at the button. It's in his desk. Yeah. He looks at the button and he goes, "What if I push it? <laughs> what if I push it? I could push it, but I, but I." And and I could, and this phone, this red phone, I could, I could call Putin. I could call Putin right now. I mean, I have his personal cell. My boy, yeah. Right, I have his personal cell, but I could just pick up the phone and call Putin.
0: Man. I think that. the picture, I think the picture on his cell phone for the Vladimir Putin contact is the picture of Putin on the horse with no shirt on. Oh yeah,
1: totally, <laughs> totally. But that's the thing, it's like, so you sit down with Donald Trump, you're kind of like getting whatever the uh. most fascinating part of like actually being the president is for Donald Trump. Right. And that's really unfortunate because it turns like it it turns the um the presidency into um what is it? a uh, little big league. <laughs> the, you know, the the movie about the kid who, who, who plays who, big league. Right. Yeah. yeah that's yeah. what it is. Like when I look that's, at the presidency right now, That's exactly it's, what this
0: presidency it's, is it's, right it's now. It's Madison Baumgartner. <laughs> well, but number
1: listen. one starting pitcher for the
0: So this is a that that's a you know that's a ten thousand foot view look at the at the interview, but there was uh, a lot of things that he did discuss that I I I found to be really interesting and 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 if you yeah break it down take if you take if you take uh, uh, the things that he has said and done previously and you bring certain elements of this interview this New York Times interview from this week in. You know, it certainly looks like he is, you know, my uh, one of my favorite politics writers, Jonathan Chait. He wrote uh, a, a, an article this week and, and the title is Trump is mobilizing for war against the rule of law. And if you think and about I just, that, I just read that this morning. Yeah. yeah. So, definitely. And if you think about that, I mean, think about the, you know, right now we have uh, an out of control presidency. We have a Republican House, Republican Senate. Uh, The Republican House has shown no interest at all in reining in his power and authority and investigating whatever malfeasance there may be or may not be. Uh, The Senate, to their credit, have been better at it, but um, still by no means as vigorous as we would like. Right now we have Robert Mueller, who works at the pleasure of the uh, Deputy Attorney General Rod Rosenstein, who is in charge of the Russia investigation at the Justice Department? Because Jefferson Beauregard Sessions III. the third. I feel like I should say that in a Southern accent. Jefferson Beauregard Sessions. That's what third. it is. He's
1: a he's a he's a, <laughs> he's a
0: Civil War general yeah. at this point. Yeah. So because he has recused himself, uh, much to Trump's chagrin. I mean, Donald Trump actually said in his New York Times interview this week that had he known Sessions was going. To recuse himself from the Russia investigation, he would not have hired him. He would not have appointed him as Attorney General, and that's remarkable. When you when you when you put that next to the firing of Jim Comey, which is unprecedented hey, in hey. in American, it's unprecedented in American history.
1: I mean, that's 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 straight out of the, the script of The Godfather. Come it, on now. Well, like
0: sure, but <laughs> but the government is not supposed to be run like a crime family. But
1: it is though now. <laughs> well,
0: obviously, obviously. And that's, that's the,
1: related to this interview the, the, and, this, fear, and this article as well. The
0: fear, the fear that people have is is that that uh, Trump is going to fire Robert Mueller, who is the special counsel uh, investigating all matters Russia. Um, and 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 for those who don't know, Robert Mueller, former FBI director, served under uh, George W. Bush, appointed by George W. Bush, continued to, this, to serve yeah. un- under under President Obama, and is generally uh, respected as a straight
1: up. Uh, law and order guy on on all sides of the aisle. Go ahead. Okay, so there's this notion I have that this is the one position that will be a revolving door for four to eight years Hmm. in the sense that if you make it a revolving door, nothing ever gets done. And because nothing ever gets done, then he's always able to stay out of the, the, the range of
0: but revolving door assumes that somebody occupies the chair, and I'm not so sure. No, but you have
1: to have somebody. And, and, no, but,
0: I don't. Th- th- this, but this is the point. I don't think that we have to have. I, I mean, I don't think that I, uh, cert- Trump certainly doesn't think that somebody has to sit in that chair. But I, I mean, think
1: he's been told that somebody has to sit in that chair.
0: He was also told that nobody, no president, fires an FBI director, and he was like, "Well, fuck it."
1: No, but the thing is, is that <laughs> I'm doing with,
0: it. I'm the president, and he's getting okay. too close. But like, also, I mean, if you if you if you realize that, that that you've done shady shit, that your family's done shady shit, that there's real criminal legal liability, that's that 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 is a real there's potential. A,
1: there's a you're there's not a,
0: going you're not going to exercise that, and you have that power to get rid of that guy. You're not going to exercise that power. Everybody's a fall guy.
1: That's the rule of this administration.
0: Everybody's a fall guy, except. Your son in law and your son, and I mean, no, even they can
1: be fall guys. They can be, they can everybody, be, and maybe they will be. Everybody can take a fall here, everybody can. They certainly can, they certainly can, and that's the frightening part of this administration. But let's is that think, everybody is available to take an L.
0: Well, let's think, let's let, let's let's just think really briefly, though, about what sort yeah. of a post. Mueller investigation. I mean, there there are certain mechanics to fire. You know, the president does not would not fire Robert Mueller. What he would do is direct Rod Rosenstein, who again is the deputy attorney general, who only has jurisdiction over uh, the Russia investigation because the actual attorney general Jeff Sessions has recused himself. He would direct Rod Rosenstein to fire Mueller, and then if Rod Rosenstein were to, um, for example, if Rod Rosenstein were to were to say, you know, look, I'm not going to do that. Um, then Trump fires Rosenstein, and then the next deputy up, he directs him to fire Mueller, and right. then you, you kind of get a situation like uh, when Richard Nixon wanted to fire Archibald Cox, and he had to go through a few people who actually resigned in lieu of of firing Archibald Cox before he got to Robert Bork, the, solici- the then solicitor general, right to to pull the trigger, and and but that obviously precipitated a constitutional crisis. <laughs> What's <laughs> What's the post? What's the constitution? What's the post Mueller investigation landscape look like? Because you know uh, the FBI, are they still investigating? It starts to you know, stop. Christopher Wray, who was Trump's pick to replace Comey, is looks like he's on the glide path to nomination, if he ha- right. to to, to, to approval. Um, you know, you have the congressional probes in the House; they're functionally worthless. They're they're more. Uh, there's more going on in the Senate, in the Senate Intelligence Committee, and the and 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 I think one other Senate committee. Um, but basically like you know, there's there if if Mueller is gone, who okay. is holding this man accountable? So,
1: nobody is. Nobody and, is. And the idea is that every so often you shift a pile of papers. You take pile of papers from side A, put it to side B. Take side B, put it back to side A. Then you take it to side A, put it back to side B. And that's what we'll do for four years because it's easy that way. It's the easiest way to do this because this is literally like the, the idea of involving the Russians is the greatest, most devious subterfuge plot of all time. Yeah. Like it's the greatest red herring in the history of American politics because they're the Russians. Yeah. They're the evil red empire still, although the Soviet Union does not exist like they're still the evil red empire.
0: Yeah, but Putin like, is trying to destabilize western democracies.
1: But he's he succeeded. Yeah. He won. Yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> like like Donald Vlad- Trump is the president of the United States. Vladimir um, Putin is the most powerful man on earth right. Yeah, Brexit occurred. Um yeah. the G20 is now the G19. Like there's just yeah. Insanity happening. You're just like things just literally don't make sense.
0: So bottom line here Go to the New York Times and read the interview yourself. It is remarkable on a number of levels, both for the few nuggets of substance that you can derive from it, but also just to sort of read his mental process as he, you can like literally, he's one of those people who just speaks as he thinks because he can't abide silence and just speaks and speaks and speaks. But he knows everything My ex-wife is like that and I get texts from her that are like literally, (laughs) I'm showing this with my hands, but like,
1: you know, book-length texts. <laughs> but but the thing with Trump is that Trump knows everything because Trump's told everything. So he and it's and it's a bizarre filter because well, it's he knows like, the last thing he heard. Right. So you have like this filter where like you you have all of these words floating in your head. Yeah. Now you don't know how they're going to come out together, but all these <laughs> words are floating in your head. You're right.
0: like this aggression will not stand. <laughs> 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 with that, with that, let's. Let's bring a close to our uh, yeah. our our, our trumpet our trumpness. When we return, we're going to talk about our favorite things that we saw this week. Oh, You're yeah. listening to Insert Name Here.
2: you have, if you have an idea for what to name this terrible podcast, or a thing for us to talk about, or anything else, you can tweet us at Ian's handle at woke since eighty four, and you may tweet us at exactly zero other handles because Ian's a great big jerk. I have at
0: puked at puked on myself. That is not a That is not a thing. I, w- I will cut. Welcome back to Insert Name Here. Yes. So we get to that point of the show, right? It's my second favorite part of the show. Obviously, more on her asshole. That's my. Warner that's my. pretty great. That's my favorite
1: part of the show. I'm but, not gonna lie, that's pretty fucking great.
0: You know, we like to wrap up our shows, Marcus, as you know, because you are one of our one or two or three I, listeners. I am. Um, we like to end with my favorite thing that I saw this week, yeah. where we highlight something that gave you hope. Made you smile or at least deadened the existential pain just a little bit. And yes, I am reading Scott's script, by the way, for both of our listeners. Fabulous. Um, Marcus, tell me, what was your favorite thing that you saw this God week?
1: Good Lord, it's the Hyperloop because it's so <laughs> ridiculous. Okay, so like 30 minutes, New York to DC. Okay, so, so the, genius, the great genius of all of this, again, is that Donald Trump actually is attempting to come through on one of his campaign promises. Which was to fix America's infrastructure problem. But it's not like, you know, he's gonna like, you know, tax people or create a like, you know, alternative revenue source in order to like fund it. He just literally decided Elon Musk will you do be it. the guy who will actually create a thing that will obliterate Greyhound, Bolt Bus, Megabus, Amtrak. It's
0: definitely not gonna do anything to Bolt Bus.
1: Right, but all of those all of those services
0: ultimately can be Obliterated. There's a reason why people drive take Bolt Bus in lieu of uh, uh, Greyhound in lieu of Amtrak. Bolt Bus is pretty
1: great, but it's like (laughs) cheap. But it's the idea of okay, so we're gonna create this this like this 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 mega speed, possibly faster than a bullet train service, to go from D.C. to New York in thirty minutes. That sounds amazing. And and okay, so like to think about this, you have to think as, about as this.
0: someone who lives in the DMV. That sounds right,
1: right. So think about the infrastructure that is required in order to make this occur. This right. is the problem that nobody stopped and thought about this. And I actually like you know, I sat, I sat at like I sat up in bed at like six o'clock in the morning and really put some thought and in effort into this. All right, okay, so like, lay it on me. I went to Providence College yes. during the Big Dig in Boston, and I remember which it's, is still there, isn't right, it? Right, which is still there, and it's like okay, so you're gonna put, finished you're going to put everything that was above ground as far as your infrastructure underground right so the idea then is that you're going to need to recreate transit infrastructure both in the air and on the ground underground right underground in order yeah. to make this work you have to have but you have to have both because it, it, on some way this is right. going to have to run wirelessly this is going to mm-hmm. have to run with some kind of like super high mega fast you know wireless like you know transmission Right. And under the ground, you need to have, like, the cablings that this will work. Sure. And so you have to, like, literally rip out part of America's infrastructure that's been there for 30, 40 years. Just rip it out and and make it obsolete. Yeah. And then replace it all with brand new infrastructure. Then you have to test it. And then you have to make sure, just like driverless cars, that the, the, the infrastructure works a good 75 to 80 percent of the time. Mm-hmm. And that, you know, like, the trains don't run into each other at ridiculously fast speeds. And then you have to put people on these these on in, into this you know hyperloop system, right? And hope that the people get to these places safely, and also that they have a quality of of ride that is better than what they've had on Amtrak or Greyhound or whatever, yeah. or in their own cars. And there's a thing with technology. Technology is like a, a weird half life, in a sense where it's like technology sounds cool mm-hmm. and seems cool. Until you actually have to use it, use it, and or like, but it's even in the, it's, it. it's it's in the execution and repair of it. Yeah, like execute. Yeah, right. It's the maintenance, the execution and maintenance. Like okay, so like construction and maintenance rather. So like constructing this is going to take. Good lord.
0: Well, just think about how. Just think about acquiring the the land rights and property rights. Right from DC to New York, <laughs> running through West Virginia, through Pennsylvania. Right. There's just up it's, through Delaware, New Jersey, Maryland. It's absurd. Yeah,
1: like yeah. just all of it's just, it, it. It's a nice idea in theory, and I'm glad that Elon Musk has the verbal okay <laughs> to try this.
0: <laughs> verbal okay. The verbal okay is probably sitting in a room with Donald Trump and saying, "This is a
1: great idea. This is
0: such a great idea." And Donald's like, "Yeah, that sounds like a great idea. That's a great idea." And
1: it's, that's where we are. And I mean, if there's ever a sense of like where we are right now in like you know like American like policy formation. That's where we are. That's where we are. if you, if you, want, are in if you want actual real facts about where we are, it's yeah. Elon Musk saying, "I have a verbal okay to like <laughs> create a system that'll get you from DC to New York in thirty minutes." In thirty minutes,
0: that's amazing. That is amazing. So, all right, my favorite thing that I saw this week, and I wrote this out in the show notes as fabulous: San Diego Comic Con. All your trailers are belong to us. Oh, my God. The amount. Insane. First of all, we are, uh, you know, I mean, if you are a, a, a fellow traveler in geekdom as I am, grew up on comic books and superheroes and Transformers and G.I. Joes and fiction and stories and right. fantasy and all like all that great shit. Um, then the San Diego Comic-Con is like the Super Bowl of geekdom and that is going on right now and what you have is you have all these movie company movie studios and comic book companies and all of these you know entertainment conglomerates who set up shop and um this is when they drop a lot of their big trailers so here i just made a list of some of the trailers it's that season. we saw just within like the last 48 to 72 hours Justice League Thor Ragnarok which looks amazing uh the new season of the walking dead The next two weeks of Game of Thrones. Have we ever seen that? Right. A a, a trailer in the middle of a season that previews the next few episodes? We have not. Uh, Ready Player One, which is a Spielberg movie based off of a uh, a beloved fantasy novel that looks uh, pretty amazing. The new season of Westworld. The new season of Stranger Things. uh, The new Star Trek show, Discovery. Apparently there's going to be a SpongeBob Halloween stop-motion special feature. I mean, you know. The this. new season of Riverdale, the new season of Archer, uh the Defenders, which brings together the uh daredevil Jessica Jones, Luke Cage, Iron Fist, um to fight the bigger bad guys, I guess right uh new season of Vikings, uh the Lego ninjago movie, uh jigsaw they're rebooting the the saw franchise i mean uh why not? the gifted, which is based on 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 the x men um this all comes on the heels of the Black Panther trailer that dropped a couple of weeks ago that is just like oh my god like the greatest movie trailer somehow, that i, I have think ever black, seen yeah,
1: somehow i think black panther is going to be like the best movie of all time or something i have
0: a feeling black panther is going to blow up it's going to make wonder woman look uh look like like nothing so like i you know i i'm just sitting there uh i'm like a kid in a candy store right now just watching all of these trailers <laughs> You know, plotting out my movie going for the next two years and TV watching. Yeah,
1: the funny thing is that geek geek culture is the the profit earner of the entire industrial world right now. Who would have known?
0: Who would have known? Just right. fascinating. Yeah. So that is our episode of Insert Name here. Marcus, I want to thank you so much. Oh, you're welcome, please. I really, really enjoyed this. Yeah. Uh, as I said, um, you are one of the 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 more thoughtful and intelligent friends that I thank that you. I have and and and, as and I always you. enjoy I always enjoy reading your stuff. You should follow Marcus. Marcus, tell people where they can. Okay, follow so you on Twitter,
1: on... Facebook, Instagram, uh pretty much any social media at Marcus with a C K D O W L I N G. Marcus K. Dowling, that's me.
0: Very good, very good. You can reach us uh here, Scott and myself at uh, my Twitter handle, which is at woke since eighty four um and you know a big thank you to uh our man on the board, Mr. Mike Magic Mike as Scott calls him
1: there it is <laughs> thank
0: you to the one love massive collective for hosting us this week and 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 for producing this this tremendous uh uh, uh material um you know there, there, there's there's a bunch of great pods. Uh, that 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 one love has out there, and 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 check them all out. I just want to make a uh, a really quick announcement. Uh, my band, the Lucky So and So's, we will be performing on the Millennium Stage at the Kennedy Center. Oh yeah, Friday, August eighteenth at six p.m. It is a free show. We would love to have uh, as many one lovers out there, and 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 people who love good music. For those who don't know, the band is a uh, uh, kind of uh, we call it sort of a tropical jazz funk hip hop.
1: Yes, I, w- I would agree with
0: that. So uh, it's a lot of fun, a um, lot of tremendous musicians. Uh, I'm easily the least accomplished musician in the group, but that's that's okay. <laughs> I, I actually plan my things out that way. I like to be the least accomplished musician in any any group that I'm in. But that's fair. Um, that's it. We'll right. right. talk to you next week. Thanks, guys. Cool.